I've seen some of the Ticast defenders trying to get in your ear. How do you go ahead and tune them out? Because there are some trash talkers oh. on the other side. Oh, yeah, they like to talk, but I mean, people like to talk. I don't have to listen. So. <laughs> That's right, it is the Waggle podcast. And when we talk, you do have to listen, Enoch. You definitely have to, man, because we're here to stay. Well, Trey Ford did his talking on the field. We're certainly going to get into that in what is a jam-packed edition of the Waggle. First of all, when you do listen, make sure you find us wherever you listen to your podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CFL.ca, and, of course, YouTube for the clips that are so good you can't just listen to them. You got to see them as well. This week, whether you're watching or listening, we're going to recap all of the action and storylines coming out of week 11. Finally, we had a week where no QBs went down, thankfully, Enoch. And we're going to get some QBs back this week. We'll talk about that as we look ahead to week 12 matchups. Of course, Enoch, we're going to get your dog of the week, who I'm going to assume is one, not a QB, and two, uh, is not an Argo because... You all were on a buy. We're on a buy. We're on a buy. We didn't get to win a game this week, so uh, yeah. we got we got to look at the advanced metrics of the Enoch Dogs of the Week because we've had three buys already for your Argonauts. You got to play ten straight, <laughs> and yet I think maybe we've had what two Dogs of the Week where the Argos were playing and it wasn't them. So we'll see what that. Wow, I don't know what that happened. I mean, we could we could look up the numbers. Yeah, I'm numbers not far. Also, when you look at the numbers, look up who's got the best record in the league, and then that might coincide with dog of the week. But that's just besides the point. Let, let, let's move on, D. Well, we should move on eventually to that that guy segment because mm. maybe that guy segment will be about you know someone who's talking that talk like you just were, and someone who does his talking with the way his teams play, and maybe he does his talking with the way he writes checks. For his team to have the best in everything, Amar Dolman joins us later. And if you are just dying for some BC Lions content, go back in your feed. As last week, we talked to the 2022 Most Outstanding Canadian, Nathan Rourke, who's balling. Kid Canada. Balling in NFL preseason. That's right. Man, he's doing his thing, and we're all happy for him. Well, why don't we keep the conversation there with Canadian QBs that we are happy for? Because last year was Nathan Rourke, and this year... We have the Trey Ford experience. Most importantly, I think we're all happy that Edmonton finally won, unless you are a Tiger Cat fan, because no longer would you have to talk about their streak as a whole. Still have to talk about that streak at home. But more importantly, big homecoming, speaking mm -hmm. of at home, for Stephen Dunbar Jr. Two TDs going back to the donut box. Wasn't even really the most explosive receiver on the field, though. That was someone who's not a receiver. AC Leiter, the second leading receiver on both teams with the 45-yard. Beautiful catch. And Hamilton's offense under Scott Milanovic kind of looked like it did before. Powell, 20-26, but zero INTs and zero TDs. The biggest for you takeaway from this game is what? Because for me, watching these two teams play, it was... Oh, the team who has the worst record. It's not actually the worst team in this game. So, like, if we are looking at these teams as presently constituted, Hamilton, if I, if I look across the two deep, it's not better, and thus they lost at home. 
Listen, when you, when you look at, I think you hit it on the, on the head. You hit the nail on the head, DB, when you talk about the Edmonton Elks. And we like to talk about, I mean, we have to talk about the fact that they continue to lose game after game after game. But I guarantee you, Chris Jones is not just letting him come to practice and 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 cry about the last loss they had. And so if, if, if you pay attention, Jake Sresna had a great interview after the game and he talked about the simple fact that they work hard every single day uh, at practice. And so... Uh, at some point or another, something's got to click, and uh, for for it to happen after you know a change and at the quarterback position has happened. Obviously, again, you talk about the uh, Canadian quarterbacks and the comparison between Trey Ford and, and Nathan Rourke. Obviously, two different types of quarterbacks, two different journeys, two paths that are completely different from one another. Uh, but you know, you're happy for both guys. Two guys that it's very easy to support and encourage. And so, you know, everyone's rooting for 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 Trey Ford, obviously, unless you're playing against them. But uh, you know, good for the kid. I liked what he showed. He showed a lot of, um, you know, great endurance, great vision as well at times. And obviously we know how much of a threat he can be with his legs, which is always tough for a defense DB. It's extremely tough for a linebacker, a defensive lineman, um, even a DB when you know the guy that's slinging the rock, he can also take off at any point in time. So, um, you know, I think he's only going to get more and more comfortable um hopefully we can get to see him and 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 kind of utilize you know his best abilities and put it on display for the rest of the 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 league and if anything if anything that we can take away from this game and this this past week at least is the fact that he's starting to feel a little bit comfortable and created a little bit of chemistry with mr dunbar and so uh, he better take that and run uh because it's looking pretty good so far well his ability to take it and run is a game changer, but it wasn't just that. He threw the ball with touch, which I was really impressed by. I didn't know he had that accuracy in his game at this Stayed point. In the pocket, too. For sure. And I think that's a big distinction. Yes. Because there's a difference between a running quarterback and a quarterback who can run. That's right. That's right. He is, if you watched him play coming up, a quarterback who can run, but he actually looks to pass That's right. first, which makes him even more dangerous because you can try to spy him, but whoever you're spying him with, you're losing somebody in coverage. And it's not as fast as him. Mm -hmm. So you, you might lose that battle anyways. And you speak about the coverage. Well, good luck playing cover zero or cover one against him. That's right. Because anyway, he does pull the ball down. If you have perfect coverage, now you got it. He's got to chase him. Well, you got you to gotta find him first. That's right. <laughs> and you got to figure out that he's running first because if you were hip to hip running towards the goalpost, you may have no idea that he's running down your back. So as a defensive play caller, I'd imagine, and you're someone who's, who's you know, had the ability to relay the calls but then change them, you're thinking, man, do I want to be in man-to-man -man against this guy? Because we could do everything right. It could be an explosive play. That's right. So, so I, and, and then I think he helps your run game because both of your ends on both sides have to be a little bit more safe and secure about coming down and dealing with that backside tear because it's you don't want to, yep. you don't want to get him outside the pocket, right? So I think in a way, his ability to run makes their passing game better, Absolutely. makes their run game better in Absolutely. a weird way. Absolutely. Again, like, you can never account for a quarterback that can run. And uh, just the fact that he can do that. But like you said, um, he's doing it the right way so far. And uh, he's getting comfortable in his in his in this offense so far. And obviously, 
uh, after watching that game, this is something that obviously Coach Milanovic is trying to get established in Hamilton, and um, they're not there yet. So for me, and I was actually surprised that they brought pressure at all. Because for me, I want passive pressure. D lineman, hand fight at the line of scrimmage, take a look, try to get your hands up, control the run game that way, dropping people into coverage, letting you see bodies. Like, do you want to tuck in and run? Oh, great. We're going to rally to the football. You want to throw? You want to throw into tight windows because we're all over the place. I would, I would go into a game and never blitz them, but that's me. Is there, is there a flaw in that logic? I mean, technically, you can't go wrong. He's a young quarterback. You can, you can. You, I mean, there's one or two options. You either go, you play coverage, or you play pressure, right? And um, with a quarterback like that, who's just starting to get on the scene here, and he's just, you know, what is this? His third game, second or third game in this year. You know, you got to see. Hey, can you read the pressure? Can you uh, identify who is the guy that you're supposed to throw the ball to in uh, in a pressure situation? And that's clearly what the game plan was for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and and it backfired because he was um, extremely well prepared. Um, he was bold enough, like we talked about, to stand in the pocket even in the face of pressure. And uh, when he needed to escape, he escaped. So uh, he, he did a good job. He did a good job. And uh, we'll see now what defensive coordinators are going to choose to do uh, going up against him. Because uh, right now, at least so far, he's proving that um, uh, he's got the right, uh, the right perspective and he can see exactly where he needs to go with the ball. So kudos to, uh, to the young quarterback, uh, Trey Ford, and uh, you know all the best to him. Let's just say this is his team. Please, can we, can we just say this is his team's his job? This is his numbers in comparison to Taylor Cornelius. One-on-one as a starter, three TDs, one INT, four pass plays over 30 yards. Cornelius, 0-7, four TDs, nine INTs, seven pass plays over 30 yards. One of them was a fake sneak that went deep, as we spoke about, to AC Leonard in this game. I will say, though, one benefit that he had that Taylor Cornelius did not is the defense came to play. Seven sacks after just having 19 in their nine losses. So QB's best friend is, is a great defense. So Edmonton has things moving in the right direction. Speaking of defense, we had a defensive battle. Uh, I guess that's a nice way to describe what we saw <laughs> between Winnipeg and Calgary. Winnipeg wins by one. Zero offensive TDs in this game. Wow. Houston's pick six, the only score. Now the good news is the offense for Winnipeg it's going to get better as our friend Derek Taylor broke that Zach Claros is on his way back to leaving the office. Zach says he felt good in practice, and so as long as there's no setbacks with that neck, he should be back. We'll preview that later in the podcast. But this is a classic case of some teams find ways to win, Winnipeg, and other teams find ways to lose, Calgary, because... I think they're better than their record shows, but at the end of the day, your record is who you are, and they continue to find ways to lose. Absolutely, absolutely. And then you got a team in in in, in Winnipeg who who constantly believes in themselves, right? They've they've done it year after year, and um, you know they they seem to always find themselves at top of the list when it comes to the best team in 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 the league and year in and year out, and so. Um, there's a sense of belief in that locker room. So regardless, and I watch them, regardless of what the score is, I remember watching even that Edmonton game a couple weeks back. You know, they were down. Zach Galeris goes down. And there was still a sense of calmness, a sense of confidence, uh, and a sense of focus on the sideline, right? You you look at young teams or teams that are still trying to figure out who they are and find, uh, trying to de uh, uh, define who they are and their identity. 
you you can see a little bit of turmoil, a little bit of confusion, and and that's not the case in Winnipeg. And and, and this is another way, you know, they 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 believe in themselves, and I think it's just the beginning. It's just the start to get you on the way to uh, to winning games, regardless of who's at quarterback. And and even at quarterback, you got to give it to Drew Brown, who's uh, done a, a a really decent job uh, since uh, Zach Laris has been uh, out and. Um, that's the type of guy you want the guy to step in when when your main guy is out. And look, you got the mayor of Houston, a defense that I think we talk about often. But listen, he he he's he's one guy that's extremely dangerous. And uh, whenever he gets an opportunity to get his hands on ball, he will make it count. And he did just that. What about making their games against Calgary count? They've won nine of the last eleven versus Calgary. That is work. Remember. The new Coke. Remember that? There's mm-hmm. Coke and the new Coke. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this. going to upset some people. Uh-oh. Winnipeg is the new Calgary. They are the standard bearer in the West, the team that everyone measures themselves fair. against. They're now first. Uh, producer Pete is, like, scratching his head. He's maybe upset that I said that, but I'm saying it, Pete. It's fair. Winnipeg is the new Calgary. Remember when Calgary was the standard bearer? Every year they would let one or two or three free agents leave and replenish them in the system and keep rolling, keep rolling. Whoever's at QB was rolling, rolling, rolling. Now that's Winnipeg. Except Winnipeg is like, well, actually, there's some of you free agents where we can't let you leave. This D-line, no, we got to keep you here. Our linebackers, we got to keep you here. Yeah. Kenny Law, actually, we made a mistake. We let you leave. We need you back. <laughs> we need you back. Right? The, the only real player of influence my estimation, that they've let leave in free agency was Andrew Harris. But they had a plan in terms of how they were going to replace him. We've seen over the last five years a lot of talent leave Calgary, front office coaching, and on the field. Haven't seen them be replaced at the same level, but they've got some time to turn things around. Speaking of returns, Caleb Evans. Yes. Gets his second win as a starter for injured Cody Fajardo against his former team. Montreal, again, finds a way to win. Another team, Ottawa, finding ways to lose. Montreal wins 25-24. And, man, we started being excited about Ottawa because of the crumb back. And when you look at their games, nine of the last ten games have come down to the last three minutes. They're now 0-5 against the East. In games, can't finish them, but really, games that are essentially for double the points when you consider the head-to-head implications, they've struggled to win. But you've got some experience in what Caleb Evans did. Going back to a place you played. Going back to a place who maybe thought they didn't need you anymore or they didn't need you at the price you thought you were as a player. Mm-hmm. Caleb Evans had a post-game interview clip when he was asked about returning. I think you and I have talked about this before when you've had late wins on the other side for Ottawa. What does this one mean to you? Big time. Big time. Appreciate it, Yes, sir. Thank you. So you heard from Evans. Didn't start well. Three first-half turnovers, three second-half TDs. That feeling when... You know that team, you know that uniform, you know that fan base, and you've come back and made an exclamation point on who you are as a player is what? I know far too well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you, when you go back 
till stomping grass. So a place where you feel like, because you got to think about it. A lot of players, I don't, there's not many players I get in the sign with the team and say, I only want to be here for a year before two. Right. A lot of times they'll be like, you know what? I want to end my career here. I want to be here for as long as I can. And when it doesn't work out that way, you coming back there, especially when you clearly by, by the interview and the answer that Caleb Evans gave, you know, he didn't feel like it was the right decision that the Ottawa Red Blacks made of getting rid of him or not keeping him. He was, he had an extra sense of motivation going back to Ottawa and uh, we talked about already the problem that he poses for uh, other defenses, which is very similar to Trey Ford. Um, if anything, he runs even a little bit more, but very similar to Trey Ford and his ability to kind of just manage the game and, and, and stick around until the, it matters the most. He did an amazing job and he wanted them to know. He wanted them to know. So just to answer your question, is a feeling of, of really disrespect if for lack of a better word, is disrespect, but you always want to go back to the team that you played for and uh, uh, and and show that they missed out and they made a mistake. And he, you know, obviously did just that. You're talking about respect. wonder if we now need to put a little bit more respect on the Alouettes name. They won four straight, puts about six and three. Now we'll get a real mistest as to who they are because upcoming they get Winnipeg, BC, Toronto in the next three weeks. Clearly the three best teams throughout the regular season with the three best records. We'll see if Montreal is a contender or potentially a pretender. But one thing I have to do in terms of rating what Montreal has done thus far is they had Cody Fajardo banged up. He looks like he'll be back taking first team reps. No excuses. Train kept on moving. When we looked at teams from across the league, because we've had so many QB injuries this year. Let's use Saskatchewan as an example. In their Week 11 game, they beat BC, something that no one thought was going to happen. They were a double-digit underdog, but with a young QB who started the year fourth on the depth chart in his first CFL start, they get the win. We see some teams performing well with young QBs. Saskatchewan right now. Winnipeg, when Zach Claros is out, Brown does a great job. And then there are other teams where the injuries or inconsistency at the QB position is used as an excuse. For me, at this point, you have to understand, going into a season, this is a 2QB operation at the minimum. We're at QB3 in Saskatchewan, aren't we? Yeah. 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 So what do you make of young players in some spots taking their shot and, and really excelling and then you know whether it's a fan base the front office in other scenarios the injured or young qbs being somewhat of an excuse listen it, it there's there's no excuses you can make db there's no excuses you can make at this level regardless of how many you can't come back and say hey look i only took these this amount of snaps you knock i only i tell this to the young guys all the time look you are expected to be uh able to step in and Fulfill the duties that are that you're supposed to fill, regardless of how many snaps you get. And so it's just a level of focus that you need to be to, to have. And at the end of the day, regardless, when you step on the field, you need to perform. And uh, you know, obviously, there are some guys that take advantage. And we're talking about the quarterback position, but it's really all around. Obviously, there's more attention to the quarterback position. There's guys that take advantage of that opportunity, and there's guys that 
you know, uh, need a little bit more time. You know, uh, you talk about a Jake Dolagal, he's a guy who last year he had a shot and he didn't necessarily um, do too well. Obviously, this year he wasn't one nor two um, in Saskatchewan and, and, and look at him now, right? So uh, good on him. But like I said, if you want to stick around and if you want to uh, show what you have to the rest of the league, and you got to make account when you step on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to factor that in if you're the individual player, and you have to factor that in if you are the front office building the team. That no team starts the year with the same two deep. Uh, it ends the year with the same two deep. Injuries are a factor, specifically the most important position in sports, quarterback. And if you are Hamilton going into this year, we use them as an example because Montreal and Saskatchewan had impressive performances with backup QBs in, in win. What was one of the biggest questions about Levi Mitchell over the last couple of years? Is he going to last? Kenny Stale. Right. Is he going to last? As much as the fan base and people, you know, in that town love Schiltz, what has been one of his issues? Is he going to be healthy? Staying on the field. That's right. And he's been with multiple organizations and never has been coming out of camp as a starter. So if you're going into a season with those two QBs, you would think there would be a better contingency plan in terms of being competitive if the inevitable happened and one of those guys got nicked up throughout the year. And, and, and then, too, you talk about the front office thinking that way. And coaching staff, really, got to find a way to give. I know you always focus on the guy who's, you know, uh, QB1, but at the same time, especially with this, I think that a lot of coaching is, coaches are taking notes and saying, hey, look, my training camps are going to start to look a little bit different. I'm going to give a few more snaps to some guys that, you know, will probably be taking some snaps. You talk about it. It's rare that you see QB1 uh, from week one all the way to uh, the end of the season. Because think about it. Like, which team has had their quarterback take literally every snap? Zero. Zero. The closest would be... Calgary? The, the... Jake Mayer. Oh, right, yeah. Jake Mayer. That's yeah. it. That's it. But even then, they're 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 probably looking. Hey, is is there somebody else? And do we need to make a move? And you know. But at the end of the day, all I'm saying is, I think that a lot of coaches are also taking notes and thinking, maybe my practices need to be, uh, you know, set up a little bit more different. Just give a chance for some of the younger guys who are behind my QB one, in a way, so I can just prepare to the best of you know my my capabilities, so that. If we ever find ourselves in a situation where somebody else needs to step in, he is ready. Yeah, the stats that Mayor wouldn't be taking in Calgary was based off performance, not based off of health. But to your point, I love the fact that you took it to training camp because there are two types of coaches. Mm -hmm. One type that gets you ready for week one, and there's another type that gets you ready for the season. That's right. And how you approach camp, I think, you know, is entirely different based off of those two realities. There's there's a factor for all coaches that we, you, we need to get this roster down, first and foremost, to figure out who we're going to start week one and or the season with. But then from there, how you uh, attack things in, in Indy and, and Skelly and team portions of the work is different based off of, you know, what the intended goal is. And I think we're seeing some of that right now. So don't sleep on the work that is done before the season even starts. Speaking of sleeping, we got to talk. Before you even go up. Okay. Right. I have to talk. I mean, it. I had an amazing segue. I was like, don't I'm sleep. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Speaking of sleeping, but sure, man. 
I have to say this though. Okay, okay. You don't have to. I, I know a coach, and I'm glad I play for multiple teams now. Okay. Because I'm so so that we don't know who there. you're talking about. I'm not going to put his name out there. I'm actually, why don't you guys guess? Okay. Because he's a current coach right now. Can I, coach. Ooh, okay. I mean, now we're You can guess. Down. I'm not going to give you an answer. Oh, wow. Okay. But everybody that's listening to it, you can guess. Put a comment below. Let us know who you think this is. But oh, I have man. a coach oh, that boy. I played for, DB. You talk about the different types of coaches that get you ready for week one or get you ready for season. Is this he, coach. Is he still a head coach? He's a coach. I'm not saying okay, anything further. Right, okay. We only have nine teams. <laughs> <laughs> this coach, DB, had the audacity. Okay. Right? And the gall. Some of my teammates that were on my team that year will definitely know. So if you know, you know. But this coach, he counts snaps. And he counts. So, you know, over the, over the course of a game, defensive snaps, offensive snaps, it's probably around 40 to 50 snaps a game And when it's a good offense and a good defense. And so he'll say, well, you know, uh, uh, through a day of training camp, well, I'm bringing it back to training camp, through a day of training camp, let's have the equivalent of a, a, a full game snap per practice. By the end of training camp, DB, he stood up in front of us. He stood up in front of us and told us, guys, I'm not even going to do what I was about to do, but he said, guys, you guys have played the equivalent of a whole season, season. and a half so far. You should be proud of yourselves. <laughs> you can't believe how many eyes started looking around like, is he serious? Because clearly, clearly he wasn't getting us prepared for just a week one. He was trying to get us prepared for, quote unquote, the season. But my goodness, I really think that some of these coaches, some coaches out there, like I said, are taking notes and saying, my practice schedule probably needs to change. Training camp and during the regular season. I just had to say that story out there. And if you know, you know. But if you don't know or you think you know, why don't you put it down in the comments? And I'll give you a guess. I'll give you a guess. If you get it, nah, I'm not going to answer. I'm not going to answer. But I'll let you guess if you want to guess who it was, who that coach is. So when Dinwiddie said that, what did you say back to him? <sighs> I'm not gonna. I'm, don't do that. Don't do that. It was not Dinwiddie. I'll say that it was not Dinwiddie. So now you can use your segue. So was no, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not doing that, DV. We're not doing that. But if you know, you know. Some of my former teammates, you know. Unbelievable, to me. Anyway. Does his first name start with a? Uh uh uh. I can't even hear you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was going to say was. Uh, we can't sleep on the salary reactions this week, something that you don't necessarily practice no matter how many reps you get in training camp. Alex Hollins does a sleep celebration. Yeah. Talks about it in his halftime interview. Then Amulus copies his celebration after his TD in the third quarter. So he went back to the locker room and sat on that for a good 15 minutes. Came back and said, I'm going to prove a point. I thought Hollins' celebration was because he was so wide open. Like there was a bust in the coverage. And so he was saying like they slept on him. They weren't aware of what he was. That's how I read it. Then Emulus comes back and, and answers. Does it add a bit of extra fuel when you see another team throw a little sauce on the celebration? 100% DB. Wait, wait, wait. 100%. Why? These are robots out there. We're human beings. Right, so we should have fun. Oh, well, guess what? When you do that to my team, I want to do the same thing back. And really, I want to do more. And so it's not just about fun. 
It's not just about fun. Any player you talk to will let you know they take a mental note oh, of everything that everybody else does. So I guarantee you. Is that. there any like time score situation context in this? Because so if someone does an extra celebration, and I think we've talked about this before, and they're down big, I'm just like, like you're telling me about yourself. Like that this is your holy grail, that you're celebrating this. But like, look at the scoreboard, homeboy. But I, I don't get mad. I just feel bad for that person. But you're telling me someone does a celebration and you're fired up. You should be fired up to 100. There's no 110. So how are you getting more jacked to do what you're handsomely paid to do, something that you love to do and that you're motivated to? Now because someone went to sleep for seven seconds in an end zone, now you have a point to prove? There's, there's celebrations and there's celebrations. And there's some what do, celebrations. What do you care? There are some celebrations where you can just tell. You know what you're doing. Everybody that's on well, that course knows know what, what they're, they're doing. doing. They're not sleepwalking. They know what they're he's, doing. He's literally and sleeping. So you know what you're doing, and you know how it's going to affect and impact the other team. I'm telling you right now, we keep tabs. I've had a teammate before come to me and tell me, Enoch, you know what? I might take a penalty. I said, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. And he was talking about something that happened. Two years prior, wow. I'm, he, I'm just saying he needs a therapist. Is what probably he probably does. He probably does. But guess what? We remember. We see. Just because we don't react right away, we see it too. And so a lot of the times, what you do sometimes, you're gonna get it back. Listen, because it's, it's a different thing. If you just go around and saying high five to your teammates, you know, good throw, good. Yeah, that's regular. Who does high five? We're talking about high five. A lot of people. High fives. High five. They put their hand up like this and touch palms. Plenty of people. Oh, come on. You dap up your man. That's fine. All I'm saying is when you go beyond that and you're doing all this stuff, people know, you know, I, 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 I listen, maybe I'm just talking about myself. Maybe I need therapy, DB. I mean, but all I'm saying is a lot of my teammates, people that I played with and guys that are on the field, they see everything that happens and, and you, you remember. And if it's not this game, it's going to be the next one we play. And if it's not the next one, it's going to be playoff time. I'm telling you right now, that happens all the time. Okay. You ever see, you ever see the, 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 the players, right, that stay at the end of a game and they stay and they watch the other – typically at, at the end of, like, big celebration, big games, or whether it's a playoff or a finals or a championship game. When they stay, it's not just because they're thinking about the mistakes or shortcomings or things that happen during the game. They want to see it because you utilize that as 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 fuel not just for the next play but it could be for the next game not just the next game it could also be clearly for the next season i think we're talking about now two totally different things visualizing a confetti falling down moment is different than getting upset because someone fell asleep in the end zone as a celebration jalen hurts his phone screensaver is him walking off the field at the super bowl with the confetti coming down, and the confetti is red and yellow. I'm it's not green and white. I'm not mad at that. So, no, of course, but that, that's him every day looking at that, saying, I need to get back to that place, and when I do, I want to be the one playing in the confetti with my family, not, not walking off. But for Emulus to be mad that Hollins slept in the end zone, so then thus he's going to sleep in the end zone, to me, it makes no sense. If Emulus is mad at anybody, it should be at the five DBs who had no idea that Holland was on the field. Listen, That's who he should be mad at. I'm, if I'm a DB, 
I appreciate you, Emily. How? Right? You got to find a way. Thank you for getting him back. You're taking a highlighter and, and highlighting the fact that we let this man score. Listen, it's, we're a team. If you do that to one of us, you do that to all of us. That's how it rolls. That's just how it rolls. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at this level, at this stage, and this stage, Azar, you got to find different ways to fuel yourself. And if it's going to be just because you didn't like what that other team did and what type of celebration they had, I'm okay with it. No. I'm completely okay with it. I'm not okay with it because you should be all fueled up. You should have plugged in EV charger at 100. You can't get more than 100. There is no such you thing can, you as 110%. You can be it's charged impossible. up. But what kind of, what battery stays charged up for a whole day? <laughs> Tell me that. And I need it. I don't even know what this analogy means. I mean, your iPhone, after it's fully charged, after you get the green light and the signal and the, and the, and the notification that it's fully charged, and you unplug it, how long does it stay fully charged? That's my point. Is that you can always utilize some type of fuel that, that comes at any point in the game. And if it's going to be because that team celebrated this bad, or you, we're talking about celebration, but sometimes I've seen it plenty of times. I'm a defensive player, and the opposite, the opposing defense goes and hits my receiver extremely hard and starts celebrating. I want to get on and do the same thing to your offense. Oh, so you're not self-motivated? So wait, 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 because let's let's roll back the tape when Enoch was giving us coaches speak talking about at this point, the Argos are only competing with themselves. They're not competing with the opponent and they're just trying to get better. Two percent better every day. That's right. So so now all of a sudden someone celebrates a single play and you're not competing with yourself anymore. You're competing with the alleged disrespect from someone from enjoying their job. Is that what you're telling me? I'm not, it doesn't change the fact that I want to be better than my previous game, that I want to be better as a team, that we want to we want to improve regardless of who we're playing against. How, but how, wait, what how, I'm saying How much is, do you want to be better? What percent? Two percent. Two percent. Every day. Two percent. <laughs> you guys are not math majors. Two percent. Two percent is that's, that's the problem. There's too much, too much room to get better. Listen, it's not a big, it's huge. Coach did what he did it. He put it on the wall. It's in a locker room. As soon as we walk in every day, two percent. We want to be two percent better. All I'm saying. But then is, when someone celebrates against you, you want to be three percent better. That's not is that what you're saying. No, three point five. Saying that it is fueling me to do even more. So you're. That's not, all I'm saying. So you're not self motivated. That's. I, trust me, DB. There's. The, I'm a hundred percent self motivated. This is what. Even when you are self-motivated, this is, this is there could always be. You there are either competing be. with yourself could and giving 100% be. for yourself, or in this context, because you're on a team, for your brothers and for the goal, or what someone else did is impacting the way that you move. You acting like you didn't see the last dance. I did see the you last You're talking dance. to me and you telling me that Michael Jordan was not self-motivated, I, but he was using everything and anything that anybody would have said to him, would have done to him at dinner the previous night, that's what I'm saying, that whenever you see anything happen, we as players, we notice it. And a lot of the times, regardless of what the other team does, you can potentially be fueling the other team, the opposing team. Michael, and that happens all the time. Michael Jordan might be telling himself that. But Michael Jordan was going to get that work in the gym, whether or not someone disrespected him. And Michael Jordan in his Hall of Fame speech was talking about a guy in high school who made the team over him. Michael Jordan needs therapy, okay? But he's great well, at basketball. We all need therapy. I guess so. We all need therapy. I, I guess so. <laughs> there should be therapy for everybody. That's into the professional world. Well, we agree we on that. Therapy. We agree on that. Well, I'm going to allow you to give a bunch of people in the league 
who are not going to get a dog of the week t-shirt some motivation because they're going to be upset that Enoch is disrespecting this. Mm-hmm. Give your dog of the week away for this week. Gotta get a yeah, dog! Yeah, dog! Gotta get a yeah, dog! Yeah, dog! On a regular basis, I get people approaching me, telling me, hey, this is my week this week. I want a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. But this week, DB, for dog of the week, is a guy that probably actually he does need therapy. Oh boy. Because at this point, all he does is steal. He leads the league in interceptions. Klepto? Absolutely. Demario? Houston. I mean, look, they're in a game, a defensive battle game. We already talked about it. No one is scoring points. And at that point, he tells himself, I'm going to do what I've already done six times this year, and I'm going to do it again. And he goes and gets a pick to the house at that. I mean, this man, at any point in the game, he is lethal, and he's liable to score points. Not just get the interception, he's scoring points. And we often talk about the one by Blue Bombers. We, t- we talk about how Zach Polaris is amazing and the, the guys that he has around him. We talk about um, Lawler. We talk about the receiving core and the running game and the offensive line and all of that. We, we'll highlight the defense. We'll talk about Willie J. We'll talk about Big Hill. But listen, this guy right here has been quietly making some noise. And people just let him go under the radar. But no, today, Demario Houston, you are dog of the week. He is a dog. I don't know if it's possible to get offensive player of the game and defensive player of the game right. in the same game, but I do know he's a great pick for dog of the week. Dog. Well, I don't have a dog of the week. Donovan's dog of the week, DJ's dog of the week, even though the alliteration is amazing, does not exist. But if it did, I think one of these weeks, maybe multiple of these weeks, we're not giving it to player not even a coach i'd go all the way up to the top because i'm a bit of a sucker and i'd give it to the owner that everyone's talking about the team with the good vibes who we're going to catch up with right here on the waggle that'd be lamar doman of the bc line well this is a treat for us on the waggle because we're normally talking players after practice in between cold tub and film study it's not often you get the leader of the organization the president someone that we have to call mister he shows up wearing a suit that is more expensive than anything we own like i'm underdressed right now. looks like a full windsor not there (laughs) so we have to go mister thank you mr doman for joining us guys thanks very much for having me uh it's a pleasure well it's been a pleasure for us to watch the infusion of energy and ideas that you've brought into not just your franchise, but the league. And so I'm, I'm curious what that onboarding process has been like. How much about the business did you know coming in? Uh, what were some of the blind spots that you learned? And, and what were some of the ideas that you had that you wanted to implement and hit the ground running right away? Well, you know, there was nothing really wrong with the business uh, side of it. The business aspect of pro sports, you know, the, the revenue streams, the, the, the uh, you know, the costs, etc. It's not a very complicated business to understand. But what it needs is, in my view, uh, is a lot of attention. It needs push. 
and it certainly needs community involvement. And just a little bit of that got lacking a little bit out, out west. Um, we clearly have, have been working hard and will continue to work hard to bring it back. There's nothing wrong with the CFL whatsoever. I said that day one. It's really about getting more eyeballs on it, getting more kids involved in it to really rebuild a fan base. It got a little bit long. So we're certainly um, all in for this. And no real surprises. It's just been, you know, rebuilding, uh, you know, the old line one fan at a time and all that stuff is, is kind of what we're doing. Oh man, that's, that's, that's awesome. And so coming in, uh, first year, first of all, Donovan is talking about, you know, the infusion that you've had, not just in, in, in BC, but in the whole league. And, and we've exchanged a few words, uh, when you guys were here in, uh, in Toronto and, and I shared with you, like, look, everybody in the league notices and we're all talking about it and we're happy and proud of how you are representing the league. But what, what you've obviously had success prior to coming in to this position, but in your prior positions, what is one thing that you feel like you prioritize and, and uh, you feel like this is what I'm, I'm focusing on solely or mainly when it comes to the BC Lions? You know, yeah, definitely a different business than the other things that we're involved with. And, and certainly, um, you know, I think one, one thing it would be to, you know, really focus on that exact family. Like we focus on our customers, of course, and our other businesses, but this is a different experience really listening to you know what they're saying what the prices are trying to make sure that we're affordable we're rel relative to the markets and also just making sure that no one comes to a game and feels like they've got to break the bank and i'm trying to keep everything affordable within my limits that i can um, and bc place has really come to the table for us so really listening to the fans trying to say hey look what can we do to make sure people come in and come back and really enjoy the experience. We've invested, as you know, heavily into bands. We've invested heavily into the dance teams, uh, entertainment, um, you know, bars outside, making it fun. So when you come to a BC Lions game, uh, I'll tell you what, it's a great experience. I enjoy every time we're, we're there at home. And frankly, I hope the other teams in the league, and a lot of them are now, are, are you know, looking at different ideas as well, which is wonderful for the CFL. When you talk about those other teams in the league, and that's one of the ways where this business is a bit different, where you are a franchise member, you're a franchisee, if you will, under this greater business, but you're also in some way fiercely competing against those other franchise members. You bring a lot of important things to the Board of Governors, obviously diversity and background and ideas and experience and some youth. But, you know, in working with that, what's that been like to, to learn some of the business from some of the other uh, owners who've been around, but also, to implement some ideas that will help not only your franchise, but the league as a whole? You know, I think number one coming into it, being uh, the new guy there a couple of years ago now, coming uh, actually just, just this month, just a few days ago, we, we, we took over the club. It seems like it's been longer, but it's only been two years. Uh, certainly that the class and polish of everybody involved at the Board of Governors level, including Randy, um, it's first class. Everybody uh, is businesslike. They're focused on the future of the CFL. What can we do to invest in the game? A lot of things, you know, I had to, you know, just kind of come in and listen and learn. But I also wanted to say, hey, look, you know, there's some things that I think we should be doing. And you see those things behind closed doors. And let's try and get more investment into the league. So at the end of the day, the players and everybody, we can all do better. And I think that it's sitting right here for us. It just doesn't come overnight. We just all have to work at it. But I took a lot of um, knowledge, you know, just on the rules. And there's a lot more to this than, you know, me being an outsider before now being an insider that I really had no clue about. And everybody was first class in assisting me, getting me up to speed on, uh, on the CFL. So I still want to follow up on that because I keep hearing more investment. 
more investment. <laughs> and you're at the point now where people are trying to get you to invest in companies. That's how big time you are. <laughs> but, but often when you're, you're coming in and taking over a company, people are trying to be skinny, trying to be lean, trying to find, you know, some synergies with other things that they're already doing. They're not trying to spend more. They're in fact trying to find margins and spend less. This is obviously a, a different business, but why is that your mindset, you know, coming into sports that you actually, you, you want to invest? You know, it's, you cannot cut your way to profitability. And I'll tell you, you cannot. And people have tried, you can do it short term, you can fool yourself, but at the end of the day, your business will erode and you cannot keep, keep taking money out and not putting it back in. The best businesses in the world, whether they're sports, whether they're an industry, whatever they're in, put money back in. They don't always schlep it all out and cut your way just to make more profits. You know, eventually you'll kill yourself. So for me coming in, um, investing in a lot of different businesses over the years, this to me was no different uh, on that strategy, which is put money in, keep putting money in and making it an experience such that your customer base cares, feels it and sees it and also be visible. I think the best bosses in the world are visible. Uh, they come around, they travel, they're not hiding in an office. We're being very visible. Our management team's very visible so and accessible. Those are things that I think are just business 101s that will never change in decades. And when I'm dead and gone, those things won't change. And I really believe them. And frankly, we've been successful using those business tenets that I just described. Mr. Dolan, you talked about the direction of the business. You talk about, um, you know, where not just your team, but the league is headed. And I'm interested to ask, you see so many of the players, the big players that really help this league uh, run whether it's the league office and, and each team, as well as, you know, the membership and the players and whatnot. In your mind, what is the future like for uh, uh, this league? Um, what, what, what can you give the fans of this league as far as something that they can look forward to? Sure. I, I think, number one, uh, the quality of the game has never been better. Uh, it's fantastic. I don't think the talent has been better. Uh, it is just a uh, first-class league. Um, second of all, let's get to the ownership. So I think the ownership structures now across Canada are the best they've been in decades. We really have, you know, I don't want to just say deep pockets. I want to say good pockets. We really do have the right uh, ownership, I believe, across Canada. And everybody is paying attention to making um, their experience better. Uh, you know, and I, I, I still, um, I believe there's going to be more investment going into the CFL. I also, I believe and hope, uh, I think we all do, that a 10th team comes in at some point, and I think that would be wonderful. I know Randy's working hard on that and in his team, and I think that would, you know, it also shortens the season a couple weeks, which I don't think would break anyone's heart, cleans up a bunch of stuff. We've been waiting for this for a while, and I'm hoping that comes in. So I think these are pretty exciting things. So great ownership, great football, and maybe an expansion team. That's, that's some pretty good stuff, gentlemen. Nice. That's all great stuff. I think one of the differences from when, you know, certainly we watched the CFL as young kids, when you, you would have watched the CFL, you know, in your early years is we're now not talking about a national marketplace. We're talking about a global marketplace in terms of attention of economy and eyeballs. When you look around, whether it's in sports and entertainment, other leagues, other platforms, it, what are some of the things that you're seeing done well that you think, okay, since we're competing, at that level, we can apply to our franchise, our game. You know, I think one of the best things about pro sports, um, 
in live sports, let's call it that, there's a big moat around all of pro, pro sports, whether it's the CFL, the NFL, NBA, whatever you want to talk about. There is nothing more exciting than being at a live event, right? I mean, let's face it, you know, the crowd screaming, all that. You can't replace that. Now, these games have been on TV for a long time. I think streaming has to step up the game, and I think we got, we've got to get there. And I think the CFL started that this year where, you know, I'm traveling right now in the States, and, you know, you can watch your CFL game streaming. I think that's awesome. I think that's a great step forward. And I think we need more of that where it's accessible to kids. But at the same time, you know, my job is to get those young kids into BC Place as much as possible, promote the heck out of flag football young, and really rebuild and build on the sport itself. And I think that just solves its own problems as you go forward, where kids want to come to games, they become teenagers, they're going with their parents, they remember the experience, let them run on the field after the game, stuff like that, really get them engaged. I think that protects us going forward, no matter what's available for screens or streaming or games or whatever. Live is live and there's nothing like it. Our job is to make that live experience the best it can be. Before before we even, we, I, can't, I can't let you go without asking this question. And uh, when we got to meet, I saw, look, there, there's not a lot of things that we can, you know, say we have in common with Mr. Doman. You know, he talked about not his deep pockets, but his good pockets, maybe not there yet, right, DB? But one of the things that Donovan and I both cherish um, and, and value is our, our families. Uh, obviously, Donovan, you with your wife and your sons, and myself with my wife and my, uh, my three beautiful daughters, you also brought your family along, you brought your kids along. I got a chance to play with them a little bit, shake their hands. What is one of the main values that you prioritize and you'd like to see uh, continually uh, be prioritized across the league, uh, not just now, but for the future as well? You know, I think that that fan engagement's number one with the young kids. Um, yeah, I bring my kids along a lot. I've, I've coached football this year. And, and by the way, that gave me a lot of respect for football coaches. It is not easy stuff and, and uh, super fun. But man, it's, it's, it's a lot and it's just great. But, you know, coming back to your question, um, if we can just engage them more and, and have them around more, the, the kids just absorb what's around them, right? And you guys have got your kids and, and you show them the way, you know, teach them to work hard. Be a team, uh, a team player, number one, and it sounds easy, but football teaches all of that. It teaches so much. And I really believe that, you know, once we get our kids more and more involved, their friends get involved. It just kind of expands from there, quite frankly. And it's really uh, about getting them involved all the time. But my, my role, number one, is always just work hard, right? So I teach all the kids to work hard. And um, let's start there with working hard. The rest just starts to happen. It doesn't matter what you're doing in life. And be that person that shows up early and leaves late. Be that person that gets up when you don't have to. Be that person that puts it in. And just like you gentlemen been successful, there's no secret to it. You just have to get out there and do it. And if I can teach kids to do that, get them involved with football, whatever they want to do in life. If they want to be in the CFL, great. But come in and see a hardworking league like the CFL and see how beautiful it really is. For a lot of those young kids, that mantra will lead them upwards in the game to the university level and it might stop there uh like it did for me but you get a great education a great experience sadly as we know at simon fraser university one of the great places where that was the case you know uh is in jeopardy uh, you've been talking about community really vocal uh and involved and uh, in, in rolling up your sleeps as sleeps as has uh, farhan lalji just take us through one you know how you learn that there might be an issue there, why you felt it was an issue that you potentially could help solve, and, and where are we now um, you know, with trying to get football back uh, on campus? 
Sure. So, you know, number one, that, uh, you know, the, the thing that upset me the most was the way it was handled. And, you know, look, number one, we knew that the NCAA thing was going to be coming to an end. They had a year's notice. And, you know, the way the university, um, you know, disseminated the news to the players during their exams, yanked the carpet out a year early and basically said, we're going to put you out of your misery now. Uh, it almost said that. It's disgusting. And it is not professional. It's not right. And I could not help myself but get involved and say, hey, hold it a minute here. First of all, that's offside. Number two, um, what is the real issue here? And have you explored options to take this great university football program with decades of history uh, and take it somewhere else to see what other opportunities there are? So we're told it's not a money thing. Then we're told, yes, we've explored all other options and there's nothing available. Thanks. Bye. So I'm not a guy that sits around and takes messages like that well when I know it's half truth and maybe three quarters, uh, you know, BS in my view. And so we just got into it. Uh, we got public with it. We had a bunch of support. I put some money in. Farhan's been amazing on, on getting vocal and getting deep involved and, and a bunch of others in Vancouver and a bunch of people across Canada uh, got involved to help save the program. We believe, uh, you know, the special committee's report will come out. Um, you know, won't have a recommendation. I think have a menu of options. But we're really hoping that, you know, call it Humpty Dumpty can be put back together again uh, for 2024 or 25 latest. But, you know, obviously 23 is toast. But we have to start hiring coaches now for 24. And this has to get moving. And we'll do whatever we can to help protect that beautiful brand of football at SFU. Um, and we're going to do whatever we can to get it back into youth sports, wherever it can go. Uh, you know, I can't get that involved with that stuff. But what I can do is help funding. I can help things um, you know, whatever I can do off the field, I will do it to make sure this, this great program goes ahead. And if not, we're going to die trying. No, absolutely. You, you, you talk about helping protect brands of football and you, 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 you give some great, uh, examples of what your style of ownership is like out there in BC. And, uh, uh, I guess some great as well, um, direction as far as, you know, where the league is headed and, and how we can potentially get there. Everybody wants to be a part of something great. What would you suggest to, I guess, some of the players that want to also play a role in helping the league move forward? Uh, maybe the players and the fans. How can we um, be in support and, and, and also play a role in creating something that all of us are really proud of? Well, you know, I think it, it comes down to each uh, each team in each city, um, you know, really being brand ambassadors, you know, having parties, have CFL parties, you know, get the name out there and people will resonate to it more. I think the one thing we can't do is compare ourselves to the U.S. and to NFL and in football's religion in, in different states. And it's different. So we've or, we're always going to have, you know, there's hockey and in Canada and all that. So let, let's be careful of who we wish we want to be. Let's set our expectations into a zone where we can hit our goals and then move them forward, you know, two, three yards at a time. Let's not throw bombs into the end zone to try and get the CFL to be the NFL. We don't have the people, you know, we're a small country, but let's have each city have big pride on what we're doing or each province. And that's my goal with BC is to have it BC's team. So I think we can just, you know, if we start with ourselves, start with our friends, our friends' friends, expand the message. Uh, we'll get the numbers up, and they're looking up this year, which is great to see. I really like the night games uh, that have been going on, even on the Sunday nights. I'm not sure I liked last Sunday night's result, but, you know, certainly it, the Sunday night football is a cool thing that the CFL tried with TSN, and it's kind of nice to see the eyeballs coming back up. 
uh, on all of these games and attendance going up. So, uh, you know, obviously Edmonton's struggling and, and that's a, a win-loss thing and you don't wish that on any team to, to be in that uh, that kind of shape. But the fans will come back once the team starts winning again. And I think in other markets we're doing fine. The, the arrows are moving in the right direction, guys. Enoch mentioned earlier about the family aspect of the franchise. You used the word pride. I saw those two things collide when, you know, during a home game, uh, you know, your team decided to put Nathan Rourke's game-changing play in the preseason against, you know, my Dallas Cowboys on for everyone to celebrate. And and I thought it was a real cool moment because, um, you know, everyone was really excited uh, for him and and for what um, has graduated through the program under you. Uh, You know, the ability to to embrace the fact that you know we can love our league, but also you know love um, you know football elsewhere. Um, I thought it was cool to see that intentional choice to to, to do that. Um, that shows me there's a greater culture there. Um, but what does that you know embody for you? You know, I, I think it's exactly how you described it. Look, um, you know, this is football. Whether it's this side of the border, that side of the border, you encourage everyone to be the best they can be. Go follow your dream. Uh, you know, with Nathan, he was very, very special and, you know, super, super honorable gentleman. Um, you know, there's just no way we could not do that. And, you know, let's 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 celebrate um, not only uh, our game, but let's just celebrate the game. You know, football's amazing. So when you see things like that, um, our management team is doing a great job with, with things like that as well. It's just it's first class. We just believe taking the high road, being a classy organization. Um, all those different things. And I think it just it just emulates right through the players, right through the locker room, everywhere. And then, frankly, the fans start to see a respectable, uh, sorry, a respectful organization. And that's something people are drawn to, I believe. So I think it just goes all over the place when it comes to class. Here's my last question, Mr. Dolman. And now I'm going to say this, and, and, and you might have to take the suit out and, and now put your coaching hat on because you said you're coaching too, right? I'll put you on the spot. Right, Coach Doman, uh, if you're coaching a defense, right, this is an ongoing conversation oh Donovan and I have had. Right, I'm yeah, gonna this, put you on the this spot. Man's time is very that's, valuable. That's okay. That's mm-hmm. okay, Coach Doman. The ball is in the air. The game is on the line, and your defensive back is about to make a play on the ball. What do you coach your defensive back to do? Are you telling him to bat the ball down or catch the ball confidently and finish the game? Bat it down. Thank Bat you. it down. Thank you. This is this uh, is. I guess that's why you got the makes, good pockets. <laughs> this, this is a man who makes measured decisions. That he's outcome driven. He's not trying to be a hero. He's trying to make the right decision in the right moment. Uh, thank you for setting Enoch straight on defensive football somehow. Uh, but but I, I do want though to give you the opportunity to brag about your team a little bit. We're talking about the right. business of the league and business in general and and the league. But your team lost. 1A, 1B, the best player in the league a year ago, uh, Nathan Rourke, uh, hasn't missed a beat. The team has transitioned under Vernon's play style and leadership beautifully. Um, How do you feel about the team moving forward? Because I imagine for you, it's almost like, you know, when you're getting ready for a wedding. Deposit is made. (laughs) You know, you've got the money. You're you're ready to celebrate, but you got to wait to the date. And you've got a team that it looks like it can compete for a great cup, but you still got to wait a couple more months to get there. What's it like for you to watch this team week in, week out, but also watch the games and, and make sure you get through them healthy and, and whole? 
Well, first of all, you know, our, our coaching staff is first class, you know, with Coach Campbell, RP, and, and the whole gang. They're, they're, an, they're an amazing group of people. So uh, full trust in what's going on there. And then and certainly VA has just come in, uh, just took the leadership role right on. I mean, he came in in a difficult situation last year when Nathan went out and we traded for him. And VA comes in, you know, he's become family to a lot of our offense and just taking on that leadership role like he's walked in and done it. Um, he was playing pretty wounded the other day and he just, you know, he showed leadership and poise. He was probably hurting quite a bit and he just kept battling 455 yards in that game. And I'll tell you what, he's just a true leader. So seeing the team growing together is just wonderful. I think one of the most important things we have is continuity of players. I think that's so important. You guys know that. And when you've got continuity of players and everyone's starting to have that taste of winning and starting to get there, um, you know, it builds on itself. And this team is working very hard and, uh, you know, they're, they're just a, they're a true team. And you can see that in the wins and losses and how they act with each other. And it's wonderful to watch and very exciting. And uh, I tell you, you know, it's just nice to see them competing hard. And we just want to have a competitive football team on the field week in, week out. And lastly, I'd be remiss uh, before we let you go, given your sense of pride in the region and community. Um, and you talk about the fact that it's BC's team, it's not Vancouver's team, uh, to talk about you know what's going on in the Okanagans right now and, and even north of there. And it, the amount of people who are displaced and, and struggling um, or in real danger, um, you know, for us removed, we can get a little numb to it, sadly, of, of seeing the news and seeing you know, fires in the summer, but, but someone who's, who's there, who understands that it's not just the mainland's team, it's the entire province's team. Um, you know, what, what has that been like? And, and, you know, what, if anything, you know, can uh, the team, the league, other Canadians do to help and support? Well, you know, I, I think, number one, um, you know, our sympathy goes out for so many people that have lost their homes. I mean, you, you can't imagine that. Yeah, it's a news it's a news blurb, and then you kind of go back to your life. But out in B.C., it's it's reality. There's smoke in the air. It's just, uh, it's terrible. And, you know, the situation of people that aren't insured, I mean, they're wiped out. Um, what we can do is try to donate, try to help, uh, take people in, do whatever you can to help someone that's displaced. And there's thousands displaced right now and they could be displaced for a while. There's more fires still burning and it's a very, very terrible situation. And I think we can all help our neighbor. And I think that's the most important thing you can do at, at this point in time. And a bunch of money doesn't fix a lot of stuff because things are burning. There's insurance problems. There's all these things. Rebuilds are horrible and painful. Um, the worst part is your house is gone. And then the second worst part is trying to get it rebuilt. Uh, it's just a very, very hard road. So I think help your neighbors, do whatever you can bring them in and, and uh, really take care of uh, take care of each other. That's what we have to do right now in BC. Yeah. Well you're, said. You're, you're absolutely uh, a breath of fresh air in, in, in this league, absolutely. And uh, to be honest with you, we often talk in football, leadership and, and success of a team starts from the top. And uh, evidently now we're, we're able to see the success of the BC Lions starts way above just the players and the coaching staff. It starts from you. And uh, uh, thank you for the leader that you are, the uh, uh, the leader that you are, but also, you know, the coach part-time that you are and uh, and everything that you're doing, not just for the BC Lions, but for the province of BC. Guys, thanks very much. We've got a great team uh, all the way through, whether it's players, management, everything. So we're, we're a fortunate group out west. And um, I want to thank you guys for having me on today. So Enoch, 
so many good nuggets. I felt like I was watching a TED talk. Great nuggets. I wanted to honestly just ask him business questions. Yeah. But we tried to stay on task. Maybe if we get him again, we'll just go like, talk to me about EBITDA. <laughs> but what was the biggest thing that resonated with you that you just heard? I mean, just his approach. His approach to uh, uh, this league, his approach to, to his his the out his outlook on the future as well. I thought you asked him, you talked to him about, hey, you don't have too much experience in this thing, and he said, look, business is a business, and he's approaching clearly this business the way he's always approached his 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 life and his career, and he's had success prior to uh, coming into BC. And uh, uh, to me, I think his outlook <clears throat> and his aggressive approach to everything that he's doing. Uh, is is the one thing that you can tell, you can see, and he's not afraid to uh, to do new things. I love that about him. Business is business. Winning is winning, and winners win. And when he said you can't cut your way to profitability, I was like, say it for the people in the back. People in the back. You can't cut your way to profitability. And Yikes. so, for me, I love that. And that doesn't mean you don't restructure reinvest right this doesn't mean you just spend to spend because we've seen in pro sports that doesn't always work but i thought his general leaning forward posture on investing making things as good as possible and eventually having that give you a net return is something that people should really really keep in mind because sadly i think it's a bit of an anomaly so we got a good one here in the cfl we've got a lot of good receiving groups in the cfl and you got to invest to keep them together, something BC has done. Who's the best for you? Because we got Toronto, obviously, yours. We got BC. We got Winnipeg. If you had to pick one group of those three, who would it be for you? It's too easy. Double blue. Faithful and loyal to the double blue. Winnipeg is blue and gold, actually. Double blue. That's the Toronto Arcanauts. <clears throat> I mean, listen. No hesitation. It's not an outlandish pick because they're one of the three that are in the conversation. I will say the depth of Toronto's is most impressive. Because I think when you get to five, six, seven, if you have some people down, I think there is not a drop-off. I think if you're just watching from the sidelines and you say, where are the Nationals, where are the imports, where are the Americans, where are the Canadians? I don't think you can tell with the naked eye, and that's not true on every team. Yeah, it's not true. But they're they're not the best group. They're not the if, if we're drafting five receivers from these groups. So I'll I'll even grant you the first pick. We are drafting our starting wide receiver group, and we're going we're going five wide, one in the backfield. Give me the first pick because I think it's Winnipeg, and a lot of people from BC. And, even you know, Mr. Dolan, who we talked to, be like, what? Hey, look, look at us. We got a four by one team running routes for us. But man, the top echelon of Winnipeg's receivers are just next level. And that's why I think Winnipeg takes it. But well, let's go through the process. Listen, in our wide receiver draft, wide receiver, draft, your first overall first pick is is a Toronto Argonaut. Oh, big surprise! Mm-hmm. Number eighty, Navarre's dead. You talk about crisp route running. You talk about uh, a wide and large target radius. I mean, he could probably make any catch. And you look at the history, he's made some spectacular catches. I think about one that he made last year, actually, 
over Hamilton. But we're not even talking about last year. We're talking about this past this year, this particular the last game he played on eighty yards, three touchdowns. Devaris Daniels was my first pick. So you're telling me that he's the best receiver in the field? Devaris Daniel is my first. Okay, so I'll take that as a no. Yes. Well, okay, this is why what you're doing is flawed because if you just name Argos, you're just gonna upset four other Argos because you just picked the first. They're all starting on the same team. Wow, but what do you mean? but but evidently you're saying one of them is better than the others. I, listen, that's what you're saying. Well, well, no, that's what you just picked one first. You can't. I, somebody's got to get picked first. Correct, and that person is Kenny Lawler because when on the field and healthy and playing with an above-average quarterback, he is that dude. Runs the entire route tree, man, zone, doesn't matter. Explosive plays, I'm your guy. Contested balls, I'm your guy. Yak yards, I'm your guy. Need to convert on second down, I'm your guy. Kenny Lawler. It's not a bad pick at all. I mean, of course it's not. He's the best receiver in the league. Second pick for me. It's another Toronto Argonaut, but he's a beat. Whoop did he do? Cam Phillips. Now this Ooh. is guy. Oh. That's right. Oh. Cam Phillips. Wow. You look at his steady production. You look at the way he just over the middle. I don't think there's any player. Yes, I said it. I don't think there's any player that has as much damage on opposing defenses and Cam Phillips, and every time you see him making that catch over the middle, contested, challenged, he'll make it up. And you throw it up there, he'll catch it and come down with it. He's my second pick. I don't even think he's the second best Argo. And if I'm Curly Gideon's I'm glad, junior, I'm glad I have a problem with you I'm right now. I'm glad you're not picking for me. Well, but okay. That's my pick. This is the second time that you disrespected Curly Gideon Jr. on this very podcast. When we drafted Canadians, I had to pick him. Well, now we're drafting... Well, you're drafting Argos. We're drafting I'm best glad. receivers. I'm and you picked someone who does not have the resume I'm in the league. This pick you said 89, was not mine 19. And now yours. What, what, Gideon Jr. was the best Canadian wide receiver. Are you going to get on with your pick? I'm just. You're, you're, you're stacking it with Argos. You're not even stacking it right. The, <laughs> the second best wide receiver of, of this group, because there's some ballers in Edmonton. There's some ballers in Ottawa, but we're talking about of the top three receiving groups. It's Dalton Schoen. We're going back to the peg. This guy, there was no learning curve when he came into the league. And I just talked about the fact that Kenny Lawler runs the entire right tree. Dalton Schoen doesn't have to. I'm just going to get nines and sevens and eights on your head top. Week after week after week. Dalton Schoen, number two. All right. Number three pick. It's clearly your boy. Curly Ginn Jr. Don't forget the junior, because he's another guy that's absolutely lethal. You talk about intermediate routes, he's got it. Deep routes, he's got it. Give him the ball at the one-yard line, and he can take it to the house. Curly, I mean, screens, reverses, literally every single route, he can do it. Having a down year this year, but new QB, needs to get in sync with him. Should have been your second pick, but yeah, he's still that dude. And that's the thing for me. Any single one of the guys that I've picked so far can be that guy. I mean, that's Any not, day of the week. That's not true. That's, that's absolutely true. true. That, but we can move on to your third pick. Listen, there, we, we, you know, we should just get to do an anonymous poll of coordinators and secondary coaches. <laughs> so I guarantee you, when they got prep week, they're like, oh, what are we going to do with Lawler? They're in the meeting. They got the laser pointer circling. Guys, 
be on red alert. Showing if he motions to your side, get out of that back pedal quick. And Turn when they're sips. playing the Toronto Argonauts, they just said everybody just watch everybody. No, I mean that's exactly what they're saying. No, no. <laughs> Uh, they're saying we're going to stack the boxes, <laughs> stop the run is what they're saying. Uh, Keon Hatcher, we talk about earned, not given. This is someone who has worked his way up the pecking order. Started in maybe using number four, number five in the read progression. Now he's a number one. He's dictating coverage because he's putting it on tape week in, week out. Keon Hatcher is my third pick. Um, I'm going to go with number three. Toronto Argonauts, number 18, Dejan Brissett. I mean, this is your fourth argument. That's right. Dejan Brissett. I mean, he's a guy you talk about learning curve. He's a guy that didn't really get to play too much last year. But he gets his name called this year, and he is making, taking every opportunity he's getting. I mean, we saw all of the catches that he's made so far. I mean, the... the spectacular catches in the end zone and his ability. And, and, and what I like about him is he's quiet. He won't be too loud, but he works at everything that he needs to do. And on top of that, he doesn't just catch the ball. He blocks extremely well and plays special teams for you. So my fourth pick, number 18, Dejan Brissett. You know, my uh, fourth pick is mm-hmm. Mr. Rhymes. He's someone who's giving you that yak, that yards after catch tough over the middle, survives contact, shows you the ball, I got it. And so every receiving group needs a guy like that and go with rhymes. Your last pick. My last pick is another Toronto argument. Oh my. <laughs> you didn't get that. I can't wait. <laughs> you didn't get Listen, that. I, it's social team, can we have an IG poll? Can we have a carousel? Can we have Enox five versus my five, and just let the comments decide, please. Go yeah, ahead. Let the comments. Give, they can decide give, what they give want. Your, I'll tell you what. Give your justification. He he plays at Bebo Field. That's the justification. He definitely plays at Bebo Bebo Field. That is definitely the first part. But next is Demonte Coxie. He's a guy who, again, you talk about coming onto the scene, and who is going to last for a long time. Not just now, not just today, but I think that he is really the receiver of the future as well. I mean, his ability to run the routes, but also go up and get every single ball out. I don't know how many DBs can uh, challenge him and actually win when the ball is up in the air for a game. I like my DeMonte Coxie anytime, any day of the week. So this is really tough. And it's really tough because Enoch has essentially punted this exercise. So I've had to make <laughs> real tough decisions between two really talented teams. And listen, I don't want to disrespect the Peter man. Shout out to Mac. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. We're not doing I, that. I don't want to. I don't want to disrespect Javon Katoy. And he, he would naturally be on my list if we were actually making a balance pick. Lucky Whitehead, we're throwing up deuces. Can give you some punt return yards as well. Rasheed Bailey looks like you'd be on the front of Muscle Magazine. But I. Gonna give you a guy who will block for you, who you get up in the backfield, maybe a little satellite motion in the backfield, can run it for you. If they let him, he could throw it for you. Was a star at the University of Manitoba, stays in Providence, is a household name, a legend, a Canadian. ND10. A new father, and for the second time on this podcast, 
has been disrespected by his former teammate. Didn't pick him on his team before. We're drafting Canadians. Now we're drafting receivers. We're actually going more focused. Still didn't pick him, but it's okay because I got love for you. Give me Dembski. I'm not gonna let you do that. You I mean, we're just over here talking God, about you had, who are you gonna put five? You had, well, you, had, you just put the guy that you're hyping up that is supposedly your you. guy. I don't talk to him. Yeah, at number five. Correct. You wanna know why? Because I know my opponent, and because I knew you weren't gonna pick him, so you're just gonna pick Argos. So even I could get him so later. You th- you I could get him five, later. Right? Because I knew you, heard you it, weren't going to pick him. You heard him, Nick. Heard him what? He's He thinks that you're number five. Well, what do you, you think he's number zero because you didn't pick him at all. Oh, I picked my guys. I definitely and I, picked my guys. And I picked my guys. <laughs> and social media will discuss the better receiving group between the three. First of all, we need to just start with the fact that I said the Bombers have the best receiving group and you counted with the Argos. So you were wrong on the first question. Now we've built a team to you prove our point, wrong, and you've doubled down you on the fact that you're wrong. wrong, DB. You are definitely wrong. I think the Argos definitely have the best receiving core, and which is why I picked one to five. Women lie, men lie, numbers don't. The people and, will decide. I guess I thought you were talking about numbers as far as like records, like who's got the best record. But it's okay. But <laughs> well, we're gonna see that Winnipeg. Offense in the CFL Pick'em presented by Old Dutch Marquee Matchup. If you're not already playing Pick'em, shame on you. Head to GameZone.CFL.ca and make your weekly picks. And Montreal's been a great pick. They've won four straight. We see two really solid defenses in this game. But Montreal's going up against Winnipeg. That's solid defense. So it's not as cut and dry for them in the game that is on Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. We talked about it earlier. Set it up. Montreal is going to either be shown to be a contender or a pretender in the next three games if they want to stay close within striking distance of your Toronto Argonauts at the top of the CFL East and hold off teams in the basement on the East. They go to Winnipeg this week, Mm. come back home to host BC only to go to BMO to face your Argonauts. What does... What y'all need to do in these three games to show they're a contender? Listen, they're going to need to be stout in the running game. And this is a game where we're talking about two guys coming back into play. At least as of now, we're expecting the starting quarterbacks to, of these two respective teams to be back into the lineup. They've missed a couple of games both. But I'm putting more pressure on the running game than I would at the quarterback position because it's going to set up Cody for Jardo. I would not want Cody to go in that hostile environment in Winnipeg and think that he has to be a hero because it's not going to bowl well. And so uh, run the ball well, play the good defense that you've been playing in the last four games, and um, you know hope that Cody also comes back healthy and uh, did not miss a beat. See, I'm saying they need to go 2-1 in one in these three games. I don't know what record you think they need to put up because I think you got to handle your business at home against BC. Then you either got to steal one on the road in Winnipeg or in Toronto to let me know that you're for real. Otherwise, you're just in this murky middle where you essentially know you're going to have a home date in the first round of the playoffs, but you're probably not going to drop so far that you're on the road in the playoffs or miss them, or you're starting to think of, you know, what's that crossover looking like? And essentially, 
last two months of the season for them are just getting to that home date. So a two and one for me means they're still in play to push you at the top of the East. What record do you need to see for them to be a contender in your eyes? I definitely agree with you. Two and one. Two and one needs to happen. And <laughs> it's three teams that uh, <laughs> it's not going to be easy. But two and one is definitely a good way to put it. And uh, you got to bring your A game every every game and every week, especially the next three going forward. Well, here's a way that they could catch the Toronto Argonauts is that if you come back to the pack a little bit, your buys are done. Yeah. The next way you can earn a buy is by being the number one seed over Montreal and the rest of the East and earn a buy straight to the Eastern final. Although you got one loss, you got a rematch against the team that gave you that loss in the Calgary Stampeders. This time they come to Toronto on Friday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Maybe that loss happened because they know you well. Because a bunch of your receivers, a bunch of your coaches, your head coach, your defensive coordinator have gone east, young man, have been with the Stamps and now have become Argonauts. I actually think the talent leaving Calgary, coming to Toronto, is directly linked to the sustained success Toronto has had over the last couple of years and the drip, 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 drip of talent leaving Calgary has equaled them going from contender to pretender. But this is a team that knows you well because of that. Is there some credence to my theory? Uh, you know what? I think you 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 have some... Uh, you're right. You're right. In some ways, they're... I mean, there's a lot of, co not just players, DB. You talked about the players. There's also coaches that came from Calgary and into Toronto. and uh, uh, But they were all great coaches, a lot of, of great players as well that made the transition and came out here and, and were uh, able to establish the culture that we have here today, um, here in Toronto. And, uh, you know, we're benefiting from that. Is it exact copy of what it was in Calgary? A lot of the guys that were there and that are here now will tell you no. Uh, but... The, uh, you're definitely right. Coach Dinwiddie left Calgary and he started making some calls and a lot of the calls were to um, that province of Alberta and I'm not talking about the Edmonton Elks. Hamilton goes to BC this week, Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Tough road trip, as we talked about earlier, to go across the country. They came off a bye and had a terrible performance. Now they're desperate for a win and they face two QBs that used to be Hamilton Targets. Dane Evans and VA were QB4 and QB5 all the way back when the buzz in training camp was that Money Manziel was bringing his talents to the CFL and Masoli was in the fold to start as potentially a backup but really ended up being the starter. Now Manziel's on Netflix and these guys are playing on Friday night <laughs> uh, and Saturday night uh, football in the CFL. Hamilton has to be, has to be desperate uh, for this win. But when you look at the fact that, you know, they had two elite QBs in that building and they're now thriving elsewhere, has to be tough for, for Tiger Cat fans. Ottawa goes to Edmonton, Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Ottawa, nine of their last 10 games have come down to the last three minutes. They're 0-5 against the East on a four-game losing streak overall. Luckily for them, they don't play the East. They play Edmonton. Elks got their first win. So these are two teams, I guess, moving in different directions, which makes this one an intriguing watch. But 
it's been a different ball game for Edmonton at home. What do you make of the matchup between these two teams struggling and who are looking to get a W? Sometimes you just need just a little bit. You just need one. Before you can get to two, you got to get one. And, and, and to me, I think that they're going to utilize everything that, you know, they can from last game and, and that win and try to build momentum out of that, to be honest with you. And I think that at the end of the day, when you look at what they did last week, just look at it, highlight the things that you did really well, duplicate that, do a little bit more of that. And, and to be honest with you, Trey Ford is going to be a little bit more comfortable as well. And uh, everybody's getting to know one another a little bit more and more. And if that defense plays the way that they did, they're going to give Trey Ford a chance to lead this team to another win. They will. And maybe an opposing player will do something that motivates them just enough. <laughs> well, you know, hopefully not. There's a game where that <clears throat> tends to happen. That's next week. And we're going to talk about that next week. The OK Tire Labor Day weekend episode is coming up. That's right. We are already approaching Labor Day. Kids are already starting to get ready to go back to school. And we're going to go back to school, to the old school next week with Henry Burst, who knows himself mm. about Labor Day games, Labor Day classics. He was a star in a couple of them. So make sure you tune in next week for that conversation. And we'll ask Henry. Not if you knock the ball down or intercept it, because that was set straight this week. We'll ask him maybe if what other players did propelled him to greatness. Yes. Smile and Hank was always so cool, so happy. I don't think so. But only way you'll know is if you subscribe, not only to our podcast on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. It's got to be Spotify or Apple. Make sure either way to share with your friends. And for the YouTube clips, subscribe to the CFL on YouTube as well. And make sure you vote on who the best receiving group is in the league and who drafted, more importantly, the best receiving group between us. For Producer Pete, everyone here at the CFL, Mr. Dog of the Week himself, and me, thanks for listening.